Back in 2003, this church sent a team to Romania, a mission team with World Vision Romania, and we actually did that eight times over the years. There were six people on this team, and there was a father-son combo. It was Bob O'Loughlin and his son Brendan who were part of the team, which made it extremely rich for all of us. And we, all of us, were sponsoring a child in Romania through World Vision, and part of what we did while we were there is we had the chance to go out into the rural areas where our sponsored children live for the most part, and to meet with them and also to meet with their families. And it was extremely uh, sobering to see the level of poverty uh, in that country. Um, this was winter. They were living in places that had such open cracks in them. It was like living outside. They lived with dirt floors. They had shared outhouses that were a ways away. They heated their place in some instances with just one burner on a stove. It was, um, it was alarming. And I remember, I will never forget, sitting in the van after that visit. And Brendan, the high school student, had his head down in his hands. And he was just shaking his head and saying, why is it that we have so much and they have so little. The only difference between us is where they were born. And this lament lay so heavily upon him. It was holy ground. Mark, the Gospel of Mark that we were in this morning, begins with two prophetic voices, Isaiah and John the Baptist. And they both are known for laying bare that lament. And then there's Jesus, who not only reveals those gaps, but comes to heal them. I'm going to read uh, the opening chapter, the first 11 verses. I invite you to join me to take your own Bibles and also to stop with me to pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we are here waiting and listening. We want to hear you speak. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this listening, this reading, this speaking, our worship, our response, so that we may truly receive you. Amen. Mark 1, beginning at verse 1, listen to God's word to you. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit.
In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. There is a leveling taking place in that passage. It's the way the Gospel of Mark begins, and I'm not sure if you could really hear it. Because Mark is so succinct in what he tells us about what Isaiah said, and Mark is so succinct in talking about the fact that John the Baptist was preaching. We don't really get to hear what he says. So I want to lift out a few verses from the Gospel of Luke, because Luke tells us more of what is said here, and I think it can be helpful. Luke 3, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And the crowds asked John the Baptist, what then should we do? And in reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Whoever has food must do likewise. Well, even the tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. What I hear in these prophets is God's desire for a leveling. It's not okay with God that some have too much and others don't have enough. And what I hear from Mark is that receiving the good news of Jesus is also receiving the good news of this prophetic revealing and healing of all the inequities. It comes with his baptism, and it also comes with our baptism. When we baptize someone here at Trinity, there is some required reading that goes with that preparation. And what people are asked to read is this chapter written by Rowan Williams, used to be Archbishop um, of Canterbury, and he wrote a book called On Being Christian. This chapter is such a rich description of what baptism means. And I want to pull out one paragraph where he talks about how we are baptized into the prophetic role of Jesus, too. So he writes this. What do prophets do in the Old Testament? They, of course, do more than just foretell the future. Much more importantly, they act and speak to call the people of Israel back to their own essential truth and identity. They act and they speak for the sake of a community's integrity, its faithfulness to who it is really meant to be. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Hosea are constantly saying to the people of Israel, don't you remember who you are? Don't you remember what God has called you to be? Here you are, sitting down comfortably with all kinds of inequality, injustice, and corruption in your society. Have you completely forgotten what you're here for? 
And that prophetic word comes in the person of Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus doesn't come without John the Baptist in all four of the Gospels, because this is God's heart throughout Scripture. We hear it in the Psalms, like Psalm 147, verse 6, the Lord lifts up the downtrodden, casts the wicked to the ground. We hear it in Mary's song, where she sings, he's brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. You can hear this leveling, literally. Every valley is filled, every mountain is made low. And isn't it what we see in Jesus' actual baptism? The heavens are torn open. God comes down, the Son of God. And then Jesus steps into the baptismal waters, into our lowliness, and lifts us up. It's a holy leveling. Our Advent theme, as you probably heard already, is celebrating good news. And the good news that we hear in Mark is that Jesus reveals and heals all inequities. It used to be that the prophets could reveal it. They could say, this is what's going on, holding up a mirror. And that's what Isaiah did at length, the longest prophet. But John says, I baptize you with water. I can do the revealing. I can help you repent of your sins and say, this is what I'm doing wrong. But there's one coming after me who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, who not only reveals, but heals. I remember years ago, and actually for decades now, World Vision has offered a program called the 30-Hour Famine. And it's a way of both revealing and healing the inequities in this world between those who live in extreme poverty and those who live with extreme abundance. And in this experience, teenagers, uh, youth groups, are led into a a fast. It's It's a fast that typically starts after school on Friday and it goes into Saturday afternoon. And these students not only commit to fasting during that period of time, but also to asking people to pledge money and support them so they can give that money to organizations that feed the poor. And oftentimes they will go and visit the local food pantries and they will see exactly what's going on among the poor and how people are so dependent upon this food to live. They also have a a poverty simulation experience where they enter into a particular person's experience and learn what it's like to have to make the decisions they have to choose every day when they live in poverty. And when they finish the fast on Saturday afternoon, they don't go right into this feasting. As one student said, we'll break our fast with communion and prayer and then have rice because that's what poor children get to eat. Some only get one bowl of rice a day, said one of the teens. The purpose, it's a powerful purpose and it's a powerful experience, is to reveal the inequities and also to be this experience of where the Spirit of God is leading us to heal these inequities. I think this is the experience we see amongst so many of our high school students when they go down to Mexico. They have the opportunity to get out of our day-to-day lives here where those inequities are often hidden, where we aren't around the poor, where we are living in comforts that can actually keep us from having to look at the discomforts that others are experiencing. 
And so these high school students see it's revealed in the same way it was to Brendan. Because God doesn't want it hidden. God wants it revealed. But more than that, God also wants it healed in Jesus Christ. Many of you know that the person who wrote the song Amazing Grace, John Newton, was for many, many years a slave trader. Now, the tragic part of that story is that he was a slave trader after he had become a Christian, after he was baptized. It took him a long time for his conversion and the work of the Holy Spirit really to kick in for him and where he finally gave up slave trading and was aware of how this was completely antithetical to what God was leading him to do in Jesus Christ. This is written about him. It was not until 1788, 34 years after leaving it, that he renounced his former slave, slaving profession by publishing a blazing pamphlet called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. The tract described the horrific conditions on the ships, and Newton apologized for making a public statement so many years after participating in the trade. It will always be a subject of humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders. Receiving the good news of Jesus Christ, his coming into the world, our baptism in him, will lead us into that seeing and that stopping. So how is our baptism leading us in that direction now, 2020, right here on the peninsula? Because it's striking to me that here in the Silicon Valley, arguably, the greatest inequities are skyrocketing right before our very eyes. There are several articles that have been written in magazines, in newspapers, about how the bad off are getting worse off and how the well off are getting exponentially more well off. And I read, want to read this one paragraph. The COVID-19 pandemic has triggered an economic crisis of a magnitude not seen since the Great Depression. In the early months of the pandemic, as local businesses across the country closed, tens of millions of Americans lost their job. Now, more than half a year later, more than 11 million Americans remain unemployed, and many shops and restaurants will never reopen. Despite the global economic shock, the world's 500 richest people are a combined $813 billion richer now than they were at the beginning of the year. And we know that those who are benefiting the most are mostly in the tech and health sector, right here in our backyard, certainly employs many in our community, and also those with the skyrocketing poverty are right here in our backyard. Faith leaders gathered a few months ago to prepare for what is expected to be a huge eviction um, explosion February 1st when the moratorium lifts and it is estimated that right here in San Mateo County 20,000 people will be evicted February 1st. Of course it's not just about COVID. There's generations of inequity that have been giving advantage to some and disadvantage to others. 
Last year, we were studying some of these discrepancies of housing on the peninsula, going all the way back to 1952, <clears throat> hearing about a family, the Sheng family, who tried to buy a home in San Mateo for $12,500, and they were denied that opportunity. Why? Because no Asians and Negroes were allowed into that community. That house would be worth well over $1 million today. So it's very sobering to me. It was at the time that as my own 401k does so well, and the assets in my own home, which I've had since 1996, are doing so well, is in large part because I'm white. We were reading James Baldwin this last month, the fire next time. This one sentence popped out for me. The only thing white people have that black people need or should want is power. Faith leaders leveraging. The spirit of the living God leveraging, bringing a leveling, a seeing, a revealing, and more than that, a healing. The waters of repentance that John brings, they reveal, they reveal the need for repentance. He and his preaching revealed the need for repentance. Isaiah had been doing that for generations. And Jesus comes with the power to heal. So as we keep reading and we go into the Acts of the Apostles and the disciples and the followers of Jesus are filled with his Holy Spirit, baptized with his Holy Spirit, where this goes several chapters in is this. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was said, sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is the good news of Jesus' coming, the way Mark presents us to it right off the bat, as the great leveler. His spirit won't let the inequities remain hidden, they are revealed and also healed through us, through us, his followers. It is good news. It's amazing good news that this new creation has been set in motion. We talked about that last Sunday, how the good ending has actually come into the present and is being worked out. And we look forward to where this is taking us, our journey with Jesus and the Holy Spirit alive in us. So it's taking us to that day when there won't be any more articles written about how the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. That will be done. There won't be any more of our teenagers with their heads in their hands just in disbelief over the inequities. There won't be any more differences between the blacks who don't have power and the whites who do. The lowly will be lifted up. The powerful brought down. All people will see the salvation of our God. So Mark starts out with these words, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he knows it's the beginning. And the implication is, so what are you doing with it now? This is the beginning of it. 
Jesus comes with this power and gives us this power. What are you doing with it now? Joan Chittister is a Benedictine nun who, for her whole life, she's probably in her 80s now, has been steeped in prayer and steeped in scripture, and that has taken her to a place, like John Newton, of actually highlighting and revealing these hidden inequities and working and leading the church to do something about them. And she writes this, what this world needs most from us right now is commitment to a spirituality that is prophetic as well as private, that echoes the concerns of the prophets who have gone before us. Prophecy, in other words, is an essential dimension of Christian presence, a clear witness of the spirit-directed life. Jesus comes into the world not just to bring private salvation to each one of us, but a systemic salvation, this leveling, That is the purpose of our baptism, is to fill us with this power of healing that God brings. It's the purpose of communion to feed us in the life of Jesus Christ and this good news. The good news of Jesus Christ who comes to reveal and to heal all the inequities. Let's pray. O God, fill us anew with your Holy Spirit. Fill us anew with your calling. Fill us anew with this good news that aches over the things that cause you to ache, that rejoices over the opportunity we have to lift up and to bring down so that all will see and experience the salvation of our God. In Christ's name, amen.